Hebrews 9, 23 through 28 is our sermon passage this morning. It says this. Thus it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly, as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own, for then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this passage. We thank you for these verses. We pray that you would help us as we dig into them this morning. I pray that you would help um, this sermon to be um, clear. I pray that you'd help um, it to be um, um, submitted to your word. I pray that um, your, your spirit would, would help us to understand your word, help us to apply it. Um, we thank you for all that we have in Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Um. This sermon, I want to say, before we, before we get into it, I, I, I want to say that this passage, and therefore this sermon, is, is for believers. Like the, like the truth and the comfort and the good that's in here, it's aimed at Christians. The, the, the author of Hebrews is writing to, um, to believers, to Christians. And so, the, the, the points of this sermon are really good news, but, but they only apply to people who have by God's grace, believe the gospel. So if you're here this morning and you're like, I'm not sure if I believe all this, then I am really glad that you're here. Um, but I, I, I need you to understand that um, the Bible is clear. There, there are two groups of people. There are, there are people who have believed the gospel. They, they have seen and that, that Jesus Christ is their only hope to be forgiven of their sins. That they are guilty before God and, and Christ died on the cross to... to um, to take their punishment so that they wouldn't be judged in hell for their sins. So they, they believe the gospel. They believe that good news. They, they've turned their back on their sins. They repent of their sins. They hate their sins. And, and they love Jesus. And they're trusting Him um, to save them. And then there are people who do not believe that. So if, you're, if, you're, if you don't believe... Then I don't want to, I don't want you to just kind of be thinking that this, that this good news is kind of just good for everybody... I want you to wrestle with that this morning. Do I believe this? If you believe it, then this is good. Let's rejoice in this. But if you're not sure, um, then I want you to think about this. Think about the good that is here for believers and, and, and pray that God will open your heart to believe this good news and to love Jesus and to hate your sin. And if you want to talk about that, 
Come find me afterwards. We'll talk about it. There's nothing more important to talk about. So if you're a believer, we've got some good news here in this passage. We've got a lot of really good news. I'm going to start the sermon with a, with a, with a compelling question. It's, a, it's really um, people who are good at preaching... Um, they've tried to help me, and it hasn't stuck, but I, I appreciate their efforts, and they have said, well, you gotta start with something interesting. The sermon, you gotta, you gotta get people's attention, right? You gotta, you gotta get in there. So I'm gonna talk about verb tenses, because, um, um, because, I know, I know, we get fired up. Yeah, yeah, that, there's three of you who are just like, you are speaking my language. Um, verb tenses. Um, you guys know what verb tenses are. Like, say, so like, uh, if I say, you know, when I was a when I was a young man, um, and I wasn't as concerned about integrity as I am now, my parents would ask me, "Did you clean my room?" And I would say, "Yes, I cleaned my room." That's past tense. I cleaned it. I cleaned my room. Or sometimes I would very quickly say, "Well, I'm cleaning it now," and and then I would also sometimes try, "I'll clean it later." That last thing never helped, worked. That was never that was never good. They always figured out a way to communicate their displeasure about that plan. But if I said I cleaned it, that's past tense, right? If I said I'm cleaning it now, that's present continuous tense. And if I say I will clean it later, that's future tense. Past, present, continuous, and future. Past, present, future. And it's important that we speak accurately. If I ask my children, did you clean your room? And they said, yes, I cleaned it. But what they meant is, I'm going to clean it at a time that's convenient for me. Um, that does, that's not going to work. Tenses matter. The Bible is very interesting because the Bible talks about our salvation in three different tenses. The Bible says, Jesus saved us. That's past tense. The Bible also talks about Jesus saving us now. That's present, continuous tense. And the Bible also talks about Jesus will save us. Future. It happened, past, it's happening now, present, continuous, and it will happen. Future. So we're gonna, we're gonna look at all three of these tenses, and I will tell you, like, so, so you have to kind of ask yourself a question this morning. Because I, I, I am telling you that if you're a believer, this is good news for you. But if you want this good news to matter to you, then you need to ask yourself, do, do I want to courageously, faithfully, joyfully, follow Jesus? Do I want that? Do I want to courageously, faithfully, joyfully follow Jesus? Live for God? Do I want to do that? Because this sermon won't matter to you if you don't care about that. And I'd also have to point you back to that first question if you don't care about that. But if you do care about that, if you want that, then, then we have to remember the three tenses of salvation. So let's think about them together. Let's remember and rejoice in the three tenses of salvation. First, we have past tense. Jesus saved us. The end of verse 26 says that He has appeared once and for all to put away sin by the sacrifice of Himself. Jesus saved us. It is finished. I don't know if you're like me, and whenever I say that, I always am compelled to say, I hope you're not, because civilized society doesn't need very many People like me. But if you're like me, then loose ends stress you out. Unresolved conflict stresses you out. Questions, they're just floating out there and you don't know what the answer to them is yet, stress you out. 
How is this going to play out? How is this going to get fixed? How is this going to get handled? How are we going to, how are we going to find resolution to this situation? How can I get that thing crossed off my list? I love, I love, it's one of my favorite new pastimes. I love to empty the dishwasher at the end of the day. I love it. And you're thinking right now, well, that's because you're a good husband. Well, yes, that's, that's a big, obviously a big part of it. But I think if I was going to psychoanalyze myself, I would have to say the main reason I love putting the dishes away, just like emptying that dishwasher and putting the dishes where they go, probably, or maybe I'm creating more work for my father. I don't know. But anyhow, I love looking at that empty dishwasher because I can say, at least I did one thing today. At least I got one thing done. We, we like to feel as if we at least got one thing done because our lives can, can kind of feel like whack-a-mole. You guys ever played whack-a-mole? Like the, the, the old arcade game? Um, it's got like the table there and the holes and the little moles, motorized moles pop up and down and you've got this mallet and you're trying to hit the mole. It pops up out of the hole and you try to hit it and when you hit it, three more pop up over here and so you've only got so much time and you try to hit as many moles as you can. Doesn't that feel like what life is like sometimes? Pastoral ministry and parenting just feels, and life in general feels to me like whack-a-mole. How many people can I hit with my stick before my time runs out? <laughs> uh, you, well, you know what I mean. <laughs> we, we have so much going on and we're just trying to take care of so many things. Here's what the believer must do. Okay, so because... Uh, because we're, 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 we're always tempted to feel a little bit of a, a stressed out kind of feeling. We're, 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 we're tempted to feel anxious. And, it, and, and with that, irritable. Or at least just kind of low-key frustrated. The, the, there, are, there are other answers in the Bible to this. But the one we have to focus on today, and the one we must have come what may, the thing we must tie ourselves to every day, if we are Christians, if Christ has saved us, then it is, it is vital that we remember that Christ has saved us. If Christ saved us, He saved us. It is past tense. And so what that means is the thing that needs to be crossed off the list has been crossed off the list. Verse 23, 24 says, Thus it was necessary... For the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. So, so what has Christ done? Well, we looked at last week that the Old Testament um, tabernacle and all the furnishings in it, and even like the, the, the um, Word of God and the, and the people that were standing around, like, everything had to be purified with blood. We saw that last week. In order for sins to be forgiven, and even for the, and, and really what was going on there was, even for the, the tabernacle to be of use to the people. Like if, because the, the tabernacle, we've, we've talked about this, it was of limited use. It was great. It was, it was wonderful, but it was just a, it was just a shadowy, temporary, earthly copy of the, of the heavenly presence of God. It was just kind of, it was a, it was an earthly, man-made, um, sample, copy, picture of what 
the heavenly presence of God is like. And so, but even that earthly copy had to be purified with blood if, if humans were going to get the full benefit of even that. It was limited benefit, but it was good benefit. But even if we were going to get the benefit of that, it had to be sprinkled with blood. So what has Christ done? Christ has done that he's the first human to ever do this. He has entered the true heavenly presence of God. And, and so these verses are teaching us that in his once and for all death on the cross, Jesus Christ has made the fullness of heaven available to us. All of the blessings of heaven are now fully accessible to all those who belong to Jesus because Jesus Christ has shed his blood for us. So, so the, the, the tabernacle and all of its limited blessings, they were available to the people in limited measure because of the, because of the sacrifice of animals. All of that was a, was a pointer to what Christ has done. Christ on the cross has made all of the limitless blessings of heaven available to us. And, and, and Scripture is clear. He did it. It's a done deal. It's been, checked off the, it's been checked off the list. Verse 25 says, Now it was to offer... No, sorry, nor... Big, big difference there. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own. So, so Jesus Christ doesn't have to do this over and over and over again. Verse 26, For then he would have to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice for, of himself. And so if we were fair, if we lived in a fair world, that, that sentence right there deserves its own sermon. If you're just saying, what sentence deserves its own sermon? This sentence, in a fair world, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. That's a four-point sermon right there. If you ever just want to preach a sermon, just do that. All right? Once for all, end of the ages, put away sin, by the sacrifice of himself. I, I gave it to you. And actually, you don't have to write the outline written for you. There's the four points. He appeared, it says, at the end of the ages. Which is weird, because history kept going after that. It's a weird thing to say. What does it mean? It means the culmination of the ages. It means the point of history. The battle. The thing that needed to happen, happened on the cross. The thing that needed to happen, happened on the cross. That's why the author of Hebrews says, that's the end of the ages. It is the culmination. It is the, it is the culmination. All of the darkness and chaos of our sin led up to that moment. This was the way that Jesus dealt with the thing. This is the loose end. This is the conflict. This is the question. What are we going to do about our sin? This is the problem. And Jesus crossed it off the list. This is why we, we call it the end of the ages. It is the culmination of all of history. It is the most important moment in the history of the world. And it has happened. Which means you can breathe easy. Your great crisis is your sin. My great crisis is my sin. That's, that's the great loose end. That's what separates us from God. That's, the, that's what condemns us to hell. And Jesus has put it away, verse 26 says. He appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin. 
by the sacrifice of Himself. There is no way in which sin will ever have the final say on you. And so, so, now let's just think about like Monday morning at 9.30 a.m. This is glorious news at 11.10 a.m. on a Sunday morning. How does it, what does it do for us Monday morning? Because that's what the author of Hebrews is driving at in this book. He wants his people to faithfully, courageously, joyfully follow Jesus, come what may, and he knows the come what may is not going to be fun. The stuff coming is not fun. And so he wants his people, he, he wants them ready for anything. He wants them to, for the rest of their lives, to follow Jesus faithfully and joyfully and courageously. And, and what we know is that it is hard to fight against sin when we, are, when we are anxious and when we are worried and we have all these questions that we're stressing out about. It's, it's hard to fight against sin. It's, it's hard to sacrificially love the people in your life. It's hard to, to courageously tell people about Jesus. It's hard if you're, if you're obsessing over all the loose ends. So here's what the believer must tell themselves. We must remind ourselves that the one thing that matters, the the one loose end that matters, the, the one conflict that matters has been dealt with. Jesus has put away our sin. So we have to keep coming back to that every single day. We have to remember that our salvation is a done deal. It's past tense. Jesus saved us. Now, we can't only, though, think about salvation in the past tense. We also have to think about it in the present continuous tense. We we, we have to think about not only, first, Jesus saved us, but second, present continuous tense, Jesus is saving us. Verse 24. I had a hard time getting over this verse this week. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. So where is Jesus right now? He is in the presence of God on our behalf. Hebrews chapter 2 taught us this. Chapter 4 taught us this. Chapter 7 taught us this. That right now, Jesus Christ is interceding for us. He is right now petitioning the Father for anything and everything we might need to finish our race with joy. So this doesn't mean that he's, he's making sure we have plenty of cash or plenty of health or that the annoying people are gone. He's not doing that. He is, he is making sure that we have access to what we need We've been, um, we've been in our community group talking about um, the fruit of the Spirit. And, and uh, the last, last couple of meetings, one was faithfulness and the other was gentleness. And we were all convicted, and I want you to share in that, all right? Um, but I think we all kind of know, like, 
We, we, we want to be faithful people. We want to be people of integrity. We want, to be, we want to be honorable people. We want to say what we mean and mean what we say. We want to be dependable. We want to be known for speaking the truth and keeping our word. We want people to, to depend on us, to trust us. That's the kind of spouses and friends and parents and neighbors and church members we want to be. We want to be trustworthy. And then this last week was gentleness. We want to be known for being compassionate, kind people. So we speak the truth. And we keep our word. And we are faithful. And we're people of integrity. And we are gentle. People know that we love them. You need help with that? You got that down. You, you husbands, you want to live a life of purity? You, you, want, to be, you want to truly be a, a one-woman man? We want to be known by our generosity, our, our hospitality. We, we want to be people of patience and compassion. We, we need courage and wisdom when it comes to living a holy life among people who think living a holy life is a stupid idea. Or, or, or maybe you, you need courage and wisdom to tell someone who doesn't believe what the Gospel is all about. In a few moments, we're going to read the verse that, that tells us, that reminds us that there, is a, that there is coming for every human being their appointed time to die. Every human has appointed to die once. We get one shot at life on earth. And then, we, and then judgment. And so there, is there anything more important than making disciples? Than, than, than helping people to understand and encouraging them along the way of what it means to trust Jesus, believe the Gospel, love Him, keep His commandments as long as they live? Anything more important than that? Do you need help with any of this that I've mentioned? And maybe you're thinking, yes, I need help with all of that. Oh, so do I. What do we do? We, we go to our Father. And now why do we go to our Father? And, and we go confidently. Why do we go confidently? Because Jesus Christ is saving us. Which means right now, He is making sure you get what you need to finish your race. He's done justifying you. He's done forgiving your sins. He's done paying for your sins. That's over. Now He is sanctifying you. The, 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 the New Testament often talks about us being in the, the process of being saved. We're saved. We're being saved. We will be saved. When, it's, when it talks about us being saved, it's talking about our sanctification. It's talking about us being made more and more and more holy, more and more Christ-like. Us, us receiving what we need to finish our race with joy. So yes, it's very good for our courage. It's very good for our perspective. It's very good for our clarity to remember that it is finished. Jesus Christ has put away our sin. He has saved us. But we also know we live in a sinful world, a world that's polluted with the devil's lies. We live in sinful bodies. We need help every day. We need new mercy every day. We need the grace of God every day. So we must remember that Jesus is saving us. It's present tense. He is bringing your prayers to the Father. He is giving you constant access to the Father. He is validating you in heaven to the Father. Be of good cheer. Isn't it a little bit humbling maybe a lot humbling, to know that Jesus is paying more attention to your sanctification than you are? 
He never stops. He never stops interceding for us. He never takes a break from standing before the Father on our behalf. Jesus is and always has been paying more attention to us becoming more like Him and getting home holy and safe and sound. He is paying more attention to that than we are. So is the Son right now, is He in the presence of the Father on your behalf? And and will the Father refuse the Son any good thing? And does the Son want to get you home holy and, and safe, sound and joyful? Is Jesus saving you? Then pray hard and run your race with joy. So we have to remember salvation is past tense and it's, pre- it's present, continuous tense as well, and then also it's future tense. Third, future tense, Jesus will save us. Verse 27 and 28 say, and, and just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, he did that, it's over, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. He saved us, he is saving us, he will save us. He's not coming to deal with sin, he's done that, it's over. On on the cross, he dealt sin the decisive death blow. He died once, and in his death, he paid for the sins of all those who would believe upon him. It's over. So now we wait. We wait eagerly, our verses say. We wait knowing that when he comes, he will save us. Which means that he will bring us into the heavenly presence of God, and we will be safe there forever. It means that any worry that you have right now, any confusion you have right now, any sadness you have right now, is going to be gone. Since Jesus has put away sin, when He brings you to heaven, you will never sin again. And you will never be sinned against again. You will never be threatened by sickness of any kind. You will never be hampered by pain or fatigue. You'll never have to wonder if you're doing enough. You'll never wonder what anybody else is thinking of you. You'll never have to say goodbye ever again. Scripture says that you will serve the Lord and you will reign like kings and queens. You will be exactly who you were created to be. And beyond all that and better than all that, you will be with God. You will be with Christ. Are you a Christian? Have you believed the Gospel? Is Christ your only hope to to save you from from the hell you deserve for your sins? Are you trusting in Christ alone? Well, then, if Jesus doesn't come back beforehand, you, like anyone and everyone else, are going to die. It's appointed for each of us to die once. But then, if you are in Christ, you will live forever. You will escape the punishment that all of us deserve apart from Christ. And you will be with God Himself. In the meantime, do do you want to faithfully, joyfully, courageously follow Jesus? Honor God with your life? If you you want to do that, then, then every day... We, we need to spend time remembering that Jesus saved us, Jesus is saving us, 
And someday, Jesus will save us. Let's pray together. We thank You for this marvelous salvation. God, we are so thankful for all that we have in Christ. Jesus, we thank You for for once and for all putting away sin. We thank You for the joy that's found in knowing sin is not going to win in the end. Sin is not going to have the final say on us. and, And one day, it and all the effects of it will be gone forever. And we thank you, Jesus, that right now you are interceding for us before the Father. That you are in the presence of God on our behalf. What a humbling thought to think that you are in the presence of God on our behalf. We thank you for that, and we thank you for the day when you are coming back to save us. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. We pray all this because you, because you have appeared at the end of the age and put away our sin. It's in the good news that's found only in your name that we pray. Amen.